listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. My special guest today is a wonderful friend of the show. She's an Emmy-nominated screenwriter, Writers Guild of America award winner, and a New York Times bestselling multi-book author. We've got Rita Mae Brown with us today. And Rita's going to be coming to uh, talk to us about her latest book, Fox Tracks. So I'm going to talk to her a little bit about the novel and uh, learn a little bit more about the characters in there and also find out more about what she's up to. So everybody, uh, stay tuned. It's going to be a fun interview as always, and uh, we look forward to talking to Rita Mae Brown. So stay tuned. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Petco, where the pets go. Petco, where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail wagging, fur flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get six dollars off your order of sixty dollars or more, and up to forty percent off the entire Petco site. That's right. But that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of forty nine dollars or more. Six dollars off, up to forty percent off, and free shipping from Pet Life Radio and Petco to get these. Awesome deals, go to petcodeals.com. That's petcodeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. X Power is a global brand that offers a complete line of stand dryers, cage dryers, and multiple blasters that cater to both home and professional groomers. Designed to be quiet, lightweight, and powerful, X Power pet dryers will save you time, energy, and money. The X Power B2 Pro at Home Dryer is the perfect holiday gift for family and friends. Please check out our holiday specials at viperpet.com and amazon.com. For more information, visit xpower.ws or call 855-855-8868. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and joining me now is New York Times bestselling author, Rita Mae Brown. Rita, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure talking to you, and I tell you, we appreciate your time because you are one busy lady. Yeah, but I'm having fun doing all of it. And that's the important thing, isn't it? You know, it really is. You know, my mother always said, idle hands do the devil's work. So I learned very early to keep busy or I'd get swatted. <laughs> exactly. And I'll always stay within a good arm distance of your uh, your mother. It's true. And your dad, if he has a belt, that's what I've learned through life. <laughs> 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 oh, goodness. Well, Rita Mae, congratulations on the latest book, Fox Tracks. Tell us a little bit about the book. Well, this is the H1 in the fox hunting series, and it involves a lady who's 71, who's a master of foxhounds, which is a position akin to being a member of parliament in a way in, in England. You, you pretty well have to have the same set of skills. And, it, you know, it had foxes and, and the hounds and, and horses and, of course, people. And what's so interesting about this sport is the form in which we now do it in most of the English-speaking world, in fact, all of the English-speaking world, has pretty much been unchanged since roughly uh, the late 1600s, the early 1700s. And that tradition holds people together in a variety of ways, not just out there in the hunt field. 
And I think it's interesting. Tell us about the tradition as far as is an active tradition here in the States? It is. Uh, Foxhounds first came over with a man called Delabrook in the late 1600s here. He brought a pack over. But before that, I mean, people just hunted with a couple of hounds. Now, today, we don't hunt to kill. There's absolutely no reason to do it. Our agricultural practices are not remotely endangered by foxes. This is not necessarily true in England, by the way, where the fox can be a pest, because remember, sheep are still an enormous product over there, wool. Well, we don't have that. But uh, it's very much a part of who and what we are. And what's interesting about it is that it's sport that literally gives the animal a sporting chance, and it is called a sporting chance. And most other cultures, when they are hunting animals or, you know, like a bullfight, the animal does not have a sporting chance. You know it's just going to get killed no matter what. And when you say we don't hunt them to kill them, how does that process work exactly? Do we just uh, corner them and you've won? No, but... I mean, there's no way to corner them, actually. One of the things that helps us in America is our land mass is so different. In England, they had the enclosure laws, and if you've ever been in England or flown over it, it's a beautiful set of squares with hedges and all right. this and that, and, and we don't have that. We're still very wild. We don't think of it as wild, but we are. I mean, you need only go to China, Japan, Europe, and you can see how new we are. This gives any wild creature a tremendous advantage over the human. And I'm all for that. But with foxes, let me put it this way. If you and I were sitting in a field and a fox walked out and a pack of hounds was there, they wouldn't pay very much attention to it. They only pay attention when they can actually smell it. So they they follow this line of scent. And the fox has many ways to destroy that line of scent. It can walk on top of a fence. does it all the time. It can run through a log, which slows things down, a hollowed-out log. Or it can just pop into a den. So it's very rare in America today that you'll kill one. But even when people tried to do it, you know, like back in the turn of the last century, it still was difficult to get one. Number one, they're smarter than we are. And number two, they have all the advantages. Yeah, and, and you know, it's fascinating that they mentioned that. I know where I'm at, you know, I'm sort of in the uh, now suburbs of northern Atlanta. There used to be a lot of horse farms around here, but unfortunately, you know, we, uh, when the housing boom was coming about, most of those got sold off and uh, building homes. But just the other day, right outside in front of my house, I saw perhaps the biggest fox I'd ever seen in my life. And I couldn't believe it. I thought it was a giant cat at first. I <laughs> thought maybe one of my cats had gotten a little too healthy in the food dish. And uh, he just turned around and sat and just looked at me like, yeah, I'm a fox in suburbia, so what? <laughs> well, Pam, did you invite him in for a drink? I should have. I think got a little bourbon or something may have been good. Do they have a preference in what they, they prefer to drink? Well, you know, I, I think they're Southern. I mean, it's a Georgia Fox. Bourbon would be what I'd offer first. <laughs> well, I'm actually about 30 minutes from moonshine country. Maybe that would have been a better offering. Give me a little jar oh, of moonshine. You know, Mama always called it country waters. And people don't know what they're missing if they haven't had a sip of really good country water. That's right. Well, we have just right up the road here in Dawsonville, the home of uh, NASCAR. 
that's how all that got started. They uh, they ran shine to pay for uh, their families and their racing. And, uh, you know, the guys would hop in their hot rods and race around the mountains of Georgia, try to get rid of, uh, get away from the revenuers. And uh, that tradition continues today. Some of it's not legal, but uh, they're now producing legalized moonshine here. In, uh, I know. It kind of takes the fun out of it, doesn't it? It does. What's the point, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think but the other thing, the other thing about uh, moonshine is, if you drink too much, your legs lock up on you. So it's a sure bet those fellas run and it didn't drink any until the job was done. That's right. Yeah, you can't do that. You got to keep moving, keep moving. So uh, yeah, well, so so let me talk to you about fox tracks and this whole series. Uh, you know, in the fox hunting series, uh, as an author, how do you keep that going? How do you keep it fresh? How do you, if you're like me, how do you keep track of of all the different characters and what they did the last time? Well, that's a good question. I try to remember as much as I can, and I keep notes from each book, and I'll refer back to them. But these books for me are the most fun to write. Because I live it. I'm a master of foxhounds myself, and I carry the horn, which means I hunt my own hounds. So I'm right in the middle of everything, and I get so excited about it that sometimes I kind of need to put little ankle weights on, you know, so I don't float off. There are so many things that happen in any closed world. I mean, if you think about it, The Godfather is about a closed world. And I think that was part of the fascination of that incredible book. Well, fox hunting is an equally closed world. And when people begin to read about it, the protocol, the actual interplay between the animals and the animals and people, they get fascinated with it. Yeah, because I mean, just like our conversation, I have to say I'm a fox hunting idiot, among other idiot things you could label me. But I had no clue of what what that's all about other than just, you know, hearing the stories from the past and – you know, those type of things. So I think it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating how you take real life experiences, real life situations, and you meld that into a novel and uh, tie in some mystery behind it. How do you go about seeing that? I mean, I'm trying to get an idea. I'm getting in your head here, Rita May. Uh, <laughs> you may not want to stay there. <laughs> I may need the bourbon afterwards. Yeah, but, I think so. uh, <laughs> but tell me how that process goes about. Because I, I know I can, I can envision you out on the horse and you're on one of the hunts and you're out in nature and doing the things that, that you do so well how do you tie that into uh taking that into a novel well you picked the exact right day to ask me because i literally just walked back in the door from hunting my hounds over at a marvelous old farm called cherry hill which was built before the revolutionary war and my hounds went up into a deep ravine and in this ravine there are the stone the stone basis of an old foundation the rest of it has fallen down and it's called lem's hideaway And right after the war between the states, the Yankees came through and, you know, stole the stove and came back for the smoke, the usual, (laughs) what what happened here in the South. But Lem, who had just come back, managed to live through the war, was hidden up there by the former slaves because they figured the Yankees would kill him. And so they snuck food up in the night and this and that. And um, the head lady, who was a former slave, said to the Yankees, you know, you better take care of Miss Lou. Don't you hurt Miss Lou, because she's been good to us. So all of these stories have been handed down through generations. And it would be wonderful to use that spot, you know, let's say there's a body found in it, a current body, and use that and go back and tie in something from the old days. I mean, I can never run out of stories, especially in the South. You turn the corner, and there's an eccentric, there's a character, or there's somebody just 
I mean, you don't know. Yeah. We're all crazy here. <laughs> it's exactly right. We've uh, we talked about the building out of where I live, and uh, there's a uh, city not too far from here that is definitely a metropolis now. And uh, they just recently realized that they had uh, laws on the book which allow you to raise X number of chickens and let them roam freely on your land. So there's one gentleman fighting the cause. They're trying to get the law off the books, but if you can imagine, he's got a uh, you know a subway restaurant on one side and. <laughs> Day. <laughs> and his chickens are running around. So, I love it. Yes. And so he's fighting the cause, uh, the chicken man, and uh, he's getting a lot of uh, people behind him because they just believe you should be able to do that. Well, well, I'm with him. You know, you know, in the South, I mean, people think we're backward, which is fine with me. You just think what you want. You stay on your side of the Mason-Dixon line, and you'll be happy there. But <laughs> the South is actually not backward at all. But we rely on let sleeping dogs lie. Just let it be. Mm-hmm. Whereas my experience has been when you cross into Pennsylvania and beyond, they continually want to improve things. And I'm not so sure we can be improved any more than we are. It's a lost cause. You know, that's a good point you made. Uh, recently, the uh, oldest woman in the United States, here, she lived here in Georgia, and she passed away recently. And, and her comment basically was, they asked her how she lived so long, and she said that, I don't eat junk food, and I keep my nose out of everybody else's business. Boy, that's a smart woman. Yeah, I thought, well, that's pretty, uh, pretty enlightening right there. Well, you know, that's one of the things, back to fox hunting for a minute, one of the things that people learn out there, which is why we're often so eager to have children, you learn about the environment. You learn about all these other animals and how they work together and how they are, they are true to what they are. We're the one animal that's out. We violate ourselves daily. You know, we go against our basic needs, our basic instincts, and... Um, Something as simple as eating junk food. Why would you do it? Dogs won't eat some of that stuff. <laughs> but, we, but we just shove it down our throat. That's right. And that's why we're all protesting because uh, Hostess Twinkies are uh, no longer around. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's an end of an era. <laughs> I could be really ugly now, but I'll be quiet. Okay. Well, we'll keep that. Well, let's get back to writing then. I want to talk more about the series of books because I'm sure all the listeners and your fans know there are a series of books that you put out. The Fox Hunting series and, then, and of course, our, our wonderful friend Sneaky Pie. Uh, talking about the Sneaky Pie Brown series and you've got the Canine Mystery series. It just is a amazing to me how do you keep all that separated and keep it flowing because i could you know i'm sitting here once again trying to get in your head and i'm thinking wow you know okay i'm I'm writing this series of books i'm done with that so i'm going to put that aside though i still have to publicize it i have to go out and uh, beat the bushes and let people know it's out there now i'm going to switch over to the next series and then the next series how do you juggle all that well, actually, I just make my publishers do it. <laughs> <laughs> You've been around long enough to yeah, make right. them do it. <laughs> let, let them figure it out. But it's interesting when I sit down to write. Again, I mean, my standalone books are the most difficult to write, the ones that are part of no series at all, because you can't rely on a format. Most series books have a format. It's like a sonnet. You know, as long as you stay within that A, B, A, B, C, C, whatever it is, you know, the actual format, you can say anything you want, which is what's so fabulous about it. But you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you write one. What I find is Sneaky Pie, because it's been the longest. She's now working on the 22nd. That's when it can be difficult to remember a minor character in the third book. But they're all so different from one another. The Sneaky Pie series, you know, there's murders and they're fun, but it's kind of sweet. 
you know, mm-hmm. whereas the Sister Janes look at bigger issues, and they're not necessarily sweet. I mean, there's a really central moral question asked in this last, in Fox Tracks, and I don't think anybody can answer it. I don't think it's been answered for thousands of years, and we simply can't, which is, what is greater, the sum or its parts? Is there ever a cause worth hurting individuals for? Is there anything greater than the well-being of that individual? Well, we can't answer it. Yeah. Do you find if you ask that question, just say you're at a dinner party and you ask that question of 20 people, how do you think those lines would be split and how much would person defend their side of the story? Alfred Hitchcock made a fabulous movie with Tallulah Bankhead and Walter Slezak called Lifeboat. And in some ways, that's the easiest way to see that issue. And it's cinematic and you only have to sit down and watch it for 90 minutes. But we've been asking this since Aeschylus. We've been asking this since Homer and the Iliad. You know, Achilles won't fight. He's angry, justifiably so. But without him, the Greeks are being defeated. Well, what is the greater good? Somebody would say, well, the greater good is that, of course, he should go in and fight and forget what he's upset about. But if he does that, he violates his honor. Mm -hmm. And for some people, their honor their individual integrity is greater than a lot of other people. You know, the welfare of other people, meaning food, whatever. I mean, you, you can name it. But whistleblowers, whistleblowers and corporations, that's another way to look at that. That one person causes great distress, justifiably so, always. I mean, they, you know, they're, they're calling attention to something that's really quite wrong. But in so doing, many other people will probably lose their jobs. The company will pay millions in restitution if it can survive. So where really is the answer? That's very true. And that's what I like about this Fox Tracks, because it really gets to it. And at the end, you, you see it, and of course, you can't answer it either. Yeah, and I think it's the brilliance. You know, all the stuff you do, I think, is brilliant, of course. But that's the brilliance of this because you're you're picking something that you know well, a topic you know well, and you love. You're making it into a a mystery, a novel. Uh, you know, things to get people's attention, adding great characters. But at the same time, you're putting that underlying question to get hopefully people start thinking. Well, Mr. Link, it's kind of you to say that I'm brilliant, but every one of the people listening to you has to make decisions every day, and they may seem small, but they're often deeply moral, and you may not realize it until later. I mean, a little case in point, you have to get to work, and you're a bit late, and by the side of the road is a dog whose leg has been run over. Mm-hmm. Do you stop and help the dog, or do you keep going and hope the next guy does it? Absolutely. And I'm stopping that car. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of people won't because they know their boss is going to be mad at them or they've got the dog in the back of the car. They've got to find a vet or whatever. Every day there are these things that they don't seem big, but they really are and they add up. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to explore that a little bit more. We're going to take a real quick commercial break, but I want to explore that topic just a little bit more and talk to you also about the uh, what goes along with that is the uh, – your activism and, and advocate for being uh, in touch with the animals and the environment. So hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, we'll continue our conversation with Rita Mae Brown after these messages. Uh, you're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, 
we have the right food for your pet at a great value for you. PetSmart. Be better together. Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do. And get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm here with the wonderful Rita Mae Brown, talking to her about her book, Fox Tracks, and all the other wonderful things going on. Now, Rita Mae, right before the break, we were talking a little bit about, you know, sort of um, how do you actually answer the question of what's right, what's wrong, uh, morality, these type of things going on, and... um, some of these things you address in the book, Fox Tracks. But I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that as far as I know you're a big proponent and a big advocate for uh, promoting um, proper treatment of animals and the environment. Where are some of the areas as a society that you think that maybe let's not look at the negative side of it, but where are some of the areas that we're making progress on? I think the people like Betty White who bring attention to animals in need, who use their celebrity to help. Uh, fundraising. Uh, we have a, a wonderful SPCA here. Well, Albemarle County has one, and we have a much smaller one in Nelson County because we're a, a far more poor county. But when I was a kid, people weren't that involved. Now, many people are involved, and they try, and they have huge fundraisers, and it, it really works. So there is, at least now, I think a basis where people understand how you treat animals actually relates to how you treat people. It's all connected. And do you think we're, we're becoming more aware of that as a society, that we're growing spiritually and understanding that, or is it more education that we're receiving? Well, I think we're getting more education, but I'd love to think that we're growing spiritually. It seems to me that if you mistreat animals, it won't be long before you start mistreating people, or weaker things. And children, of course, are weaker. And I think the all of the education about child abuse and the fact that it's come to the public's knowledge, it's always been there. And I think a lot of these people always knew it. I mean, there's no one that convinced me the Catholic Church didn't know. 
but now people see it and they respond to it and they say, this cannot continue. You know, we demand an end to it and we demand that some form of healing take place, if it's at all possible. And it, it's the beginning of this real shift, and I believe it's spiritual, when it just is a lawsuit thing. I don't know about that. I mean, I, I have real mixed feelings about that. But when people stand on a lawn with candles in their hand, that to me is spiritual. You see what I mean? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. People are getting those feelings about animals. They're understanding we all share the earth, and we as humans don't necessarily have first place. I mean, many think we do, but we don't. Just like many men, particularly younger men, don't feel they're superior to women the way men born, say, in 1880 did and just took a lot for granted. That's Those right. things are changing tremendously. Racial relationships are changing tremendously. It takes generations for these things to change. Are there things still wrong? Sure there are, but it's a hell of a lot better than it was when I was born. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I like to agree with you on that, you know, or like to think that as well, that we are turning the tide. It's like a giant ship. We're slowly turning it, but we are turning it into more spiritual uh, consciousness and more uh, involvement. And uh, I'll actually give the media a little bit of pat on the back. They rarely get it, but, uh, you know, in the fact that they, when they do put together good reporting and good uh, journalism and they bring a, a cause that needs to be brought to the attention of, uh, of humans, they do a pretty good job of that. And I think that that's through the teaching of you know, ways that we learn about it. You're so right. And, and one of the best things they can do are shows like this where people get to express what they think. You don't have to agree with them. And, and sometimes I'm sure you don't. And, and neither do your listeners, but at least they make you think. Something like back when they had the Anita Hill hearings and they showed part of it. That was a big wake-up call for a lot of people. Like, they've never seen anything like that. I mean, really. Some of them remember the McCarthy hearings when television just started. But anything like that, where you see the process, and granted, it's edited by whoever owns the station uh, or the network so that you see what they want you to see. But if you could just have a continuous stream and you see the whole thing, wow. You really sit up in your seat. Yeah, and I think that's where the, the information flow comes through. Sometimes it's overwhelming. We get a little bit too much of it and gets sensationalized. But for the most part, like you said, uh, growing up, when, you, when you're looking at you know, the 60s and even going into uh, early 70s, uh, a lot of the reporting wasn't there to get into the real, what I call, meat and potatoes of what the situation's all about. Well, and there was practically no recognition of animal issues. At all. No. And that's been, a, to me, that's been a big change in the last 20 years, little by little by little. Until now, you know, you can have a show and all of the people that respond to you, which are lots. I mean, you told me once I almost fell over. Um, <laughs> that wouldn't have happened even 10 years ago. Definitely not. So I, and I think we are getting more in tune with that. We're talking about the animals, the environment, these type of things. You know, I will go on a little bit of a rant. Hopefully none of my relatives are listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> but we did have a large crowd over for uh, for Thanksgiving. We had about 20 people in the house, all relatives, and most of them have children. And uh, believe it or not, my wife and I, we don't have children. We have uh, furry, feathered, finned, and uh, scaled animals around the house. But we were the only ones recycling. And I had to constantly go back through the trash can and dig out uh, the recycling papers and cups and those type of things and ask them, you know, you have children. This is their future. Why aren't you doing that? And uh, amazingly, it was basically don't have time. You know, yeah. It, it's yeah, it's easier to not think about it and throw it in the trash than to put it in a separate receptacle. 
And uh, in, in our recycling center, it, it's fantastic because we don't have to separate everything. You just put it in a giant bin. We had uh, actually had to order a separate bin, a 30-gallon uh, for each one on wheels, and you just pile it all in there. They separate it out. See, that's why I think dogs are so great. They'll recycle for you. <laughs> there's never any problem and if there's one speck no. left on the plate you just say here you, you missed a spot and they get a good yeah. <laughs> I always put the plates down to let them lick first it's, it's probably a reason nobody ever comes and eats at my house I mean I do wash them later but I figure hey this is better than any dishwasher and it doesn't use any electricity it's environmentally friendly it uh, reproduces well you know <laughs> it gets rid of the waste very well so yeah I think it's a win-win Another good well, reason were, to have dogs. <laughs> you were speaking about foxes when we were talking about fox tracks earlier, that you saw a fox, you know, basically in your yard. They're closer partly because of what you're talking about, partly because garbage, because people don't always secure their garbage. And foxes are omnivorous, as are we. And the stuff that's in there is fabulous for them. I mean, they can't wait to pick out those chicken bones and stuff like that. So they're moving in. Also, part of that is just our pressure on their environment. I mean, my God, they're in cities. But you can live off human garbage very well because we waste so much. That's true. That's true. Good point. Well, read me when uh, I want everybody to go out and pick up a copy of Fox Tracks. Great read as always, and uh, great uh, insight to not only about foxes but just get you thinking in general. When you have readers read this series and re- read the book Fox Tracks, what do you hope they walk away with after reading it? A deep regard for nature and the desire to preserve our environment particularly America. This is one of the most incredible land masses ever. We have everything in this country. And I hope we always have everything in this country. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, that's part of it. Let's catch it and, and make sure we take care of it before we don't have it. I think that's a key point. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen an eagle fly near you, but it's a four-foot wingspan. Or no, maybe it's even a seven-foot wingspan. I think it's owls that have a four-foot wingspan, the big horned mm-hmm. owls. Right. It's overwhelming. It's fabulous. And it's not a little bit scary, you know. Let's, let's keep it for everybody. They should be here 100 years from now, and so should we. That's right. But I will tell you a funny story. We had the uh, wonderful opportunity about six years ago to take a cruise up to Alaska. And uh, you could definitely spot the tourists. The tourists weren't the ones with the uh, the sneakers on and the you know the, the winter garb because it's way too cold compared to the, the locals. No, they were the ones taking pictures of the bald eagles on the telephone poles <laughs> while the local residents were treating them like they were a series of crows on the <laughs> telephone pole. <laughs> funny. But, you know, it is it is interesting, the, the pressure. There's even pressure in Alaska now. But when we first started talking, you were saying, you know, you're in a northern suburb of Atlanta. Well, the way Atlanta is growing, it's going to take over half of South Carolina before you're 70. Yeah, I think that's the governor's master plan, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, there's just so much, and, and we pave everything in this and that. And, again, I do think... There is the beginnings, the realization that we do owe something to other life forms, but also just simple things like the water table. Let's take care of that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a big thing. Obviously, we have one central water source here in uh, the northern part of Georgia, and uh, we actually have three states that feed off that water, and there's a uh, uh, legal battles right now on actually who owns the water and uh, how it gets dispersed, which uh, I never thought I would see that in my life on who owns the water. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting, isn't it? And, and there's going to be more and more of it, especially in the West. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. So everybody take care of your environment. Start off simply by recycling. That's a good start. And then uh, then go from there. You know, those little baby steps and get some education, I think, is what we need. You know, it's fun. That's the other thing is people don't realize how much fun it is to get these things done. Everything is presented as though, oh, it's awful and you're a bad person if you don't do it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, people are pressed for time. I really do understand that. But if you could just pick one thing, you know, whether it's just even to go see a fox hunt to see what happens out there or to go to your SPCA and, you know, take food, anything, just one little thing that you could do once a week. You'll meet so many other people. You'll meet animals. You can't but be happy by doing it. You know, you're absolutely right. I mean, I've been involved with rescue for many, many years and uh, was former president of a, a no-kill shelter here in Atlanta area. And we, that's how we started off. I was traveling worldwide for business. My wife was working. So we started off by donating some money. Then we took some items by. And then we started socializing the dogs and cats. And then it just kept growing and growing from there. And it wasn't necessarily because we were pressured into doing it, it was the fact that we did meet like-minded people. We saw the results on helping the animals find their forever home, and the little bit that we were doing was seemed to be making a, a large impact, and I know it made us feel fantastic. You know, it does, and, and, and just as an aside, this is one of the dreadful things about the recent presidential election. Each party trying to say anybody that belongs to the other party is a bad American and a bad person. We aren't those people. We can get along with one another. We can work with one another. We can work with animals. And uh, we can't allow ourselves to be divided like that. That's right. We need to join together, uh, I think, now more than ever. Speaking of the election, did you ever get a tally of how many write-in votes uh, Sneaky Pie got? No, God, that would have been fun, but she's going to run again in 2016. She Uh, really feels she has a mission now. Excellent. I look forward to that. Definitely uh, get her on the ballot. If not, I'll I'll put a write-in for her, that's for sure. She's running for it, and I'm running from it. (laughs) Exactly. Well, everybody, pick up a copy of the book. Uh, You can go to Rita Mae Brown's website. It's obviously an every major bookstore and online as well. The book's called Fox Tracks, a wonderful novel. Congratulations on the book, Rita May, and uh, it's always a pleasure uh, talking to you and having you on the show. Same here. Thank you. Well, we're uh, coming to the end of the show today. I'd like to thank everybody for uh, listening to the show. I'd like to thank the uh, sponsors and producers for making the show possible. To find out more about me, Tim Link, and the other guests I've interviewed and all the wonderful shows we have on animal rights, you can go to Pet Life Radio, PetLifeRadio.com. Click on the animal rights icon, and there you can uh, download the episodes, listen to them. And while you're there, make sure you check out all the other wonderful shows and hosts. Uh, there's a plethora of wonderful uh, animal shows on Pet Life Radio. It's PetLifeRadio.com. If you have any questions for me or any comments or ideas for the show, please email me. You can email me at Tim at PetLifeRadio.com. It's Tim at PetLifeRadio.com, and I'll be glad to answer your questions, entertain your comments, and uh, bring on the people you want to hear most onto the show. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Share it in a blog, article, or in a book. And who knows? You may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.